Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message continues the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. Good, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles. We're going to look together in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, and we're going to pick up on verse 1. We've been studying through the Gospel of Luke here. Luke, chapter 9, let's pick up verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, He called His twelve disciples together, gave them power and authority over demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He said to them, Take nothing for the journey, neither staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. You do not even need uh, two tunics apiece. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed. They went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets had risen again. Herod said, John I have beheaded, but who is this, and of whom I hear such things? So he sought to see him. Let's have prayer together. Lord, will you continue to bless me? Your Holy Spirit just be at work. May you just move among us today. And we just pray that your will can be accomplished. Lord, that uh, when all said and done, Lord, it, we'd be in your will. That Lord, that you would just uh, be happy with us. That we've been able to honor and please you, each one of us. I just ask that you would just prepare us for the week so that we can serve you. May it work in each of our hearts and draw us close to you. And Lord, even those that don't know you today, I just ask that you would just be at work so that they, Lord, would be able to have that opportunity to be able to step out in faith. I just pray your blessings upon each one. I give you thanks for each one now in Jesus' name. Amen. I just saw this story uh, recently. Joe McKeever had had reposted this, and so I hadn't heard this before, so I, I thought I would just share this. This was, uh, the date was Saturday night, December 6, 1941. It's the day before, the day we live in infamy. This is Ray Robertson that's, that's talking about this. He said, my ship, the West Virginia, had just docked at Pearl Harbor on the evening of December 6, 1941. He said, a couple of fellows and I left that ship that night and attended a Bible study. He said there was about 15 sellers that had got into a circle. He said, then the leader asked us, he said, tell me what your favorite Bible verse is. And he said, tell me what it is and then say something about it if you would like. And he said, they started going around. He said, and so I just started thinking, I can't think of one. He said, I just kind of froze in terror. I can't even think of a single verse. And then finally he said, I thought to myself, oh yeah, I know John 3.16. He said, so I just began rehearsing that in my mind. And he said, so soon it was coming around. He said, and they got to the fellow right before me. And guess what he received? She cited. <laughs> John 3.16. He said, so he took my verse. He said, I was stunned. He said, I was humiliated. And in a few moments, he said, everybody would know that I couldn't recall one single memory verse. He said, later that night, I was thinking as I went to bed, Robertson, you're a fake. You're a Christian, but you're a fake. Well, 7.55 the next morning, I was awakened to the ship alarm, ordering us to our battle stations. 360 planes of the Japanese Imperial Fleet were attacking our ships and our military installations. 
He said, my men and I, we raced to our machine gun placement. He said, but all we had was practice ammunition. For the first 15 minutes of the two-hour battle, we only fired blanks. We were just hoping to scare the airplanes away. And he said, as I stood there with that firing false ammunition, he said, I thought, Robinson, this is how your whole life has been, firing blanks for Jesus Christ. He said, I made up my mind then that if I survived, I would get serious about following Christ. Well, it doesn't do you much good if you're firing blanks at the enemy, especially when they're not using blanks, when they're using live ammunition. And as Christians, I think that sums up pretty well. A lot of times we're firing blanks. We're not as serious about the Lord as what we say or what we might think that we are. And so we come here to, to chapter 9. The disciples are going on mission. Jesus send them out to be able to go on mission. Now, the first thing that we see with the disciples is it's time to be able to share the gospel. Jesus, when He sends them out on mission, you see in Luke chapter 9, in verse 1, He said, I'm going to give you a power and authority, and I want you to basically to go, and here's the whole, He, he says power and authority, but listen, the whole key is I want you to share the kingdom. Let me tell you something, the greatest need in this world the greatest need is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest need. And Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go out, the Messiah is here upon earth. Go out and be able to share Christ. Let me ask you something. Do you know people that do not know Christ? How are they ever going to hear unless... We share. Unless somebody opens their mouth and speaks to them. It's time that in this world, that Christians just tell the truth. Jesus gets the disciples together. Think about this. It had been a year and a half. A year and a half, and they had watched Jesus do ministry. They watched Jesus heal people, touch people. They seen His compassion. A year and a half, they had listened to Jesus speak and talk to people. And now, remember back in Luke chapter 5, Jesus told them, He said, fellas, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And now, Jesus is saying, it's time for you to become those fishers of men. And so He takes the disciples and He sends them out. He says, I want you to preach the kingdom. I want you to be able to share the gospel. It's still important for his disciples to do that same message, to be able to go out and to share the message. Now, you know, sometimes people can't hear because of the things going on in their lives. Sometimes people are weighted down with problems and difficulties. The fellow that started the Salvation Army, William Booth, Somebody complained to him. They said, you have changed the gospel. And William Booth said, listen, I've not changed the gospel. It never changes. But if somebody is cold and naked, if somebody is hungry, they don't really hear the gospel. 
You've got to first meet their needs. Jesus is going out and telling the disciples, I want you to have compassion upon people. They've got needs that's going on. And he gave them authority to be able to meet those needs. And that's what the disciples did. They went out. Now, let's take a moment and look at why it's important that they all went. Because every single one of the disciples went. All of them. Later on, we're going to find that it was not just the 12, but it was 70 that had went out. I want you to think about this. It's too much for just one person. Jesus had come. He's God. But He had limited Himself because He'd come in the flesh. You know, be one place at one time. So Jesus sent out the 12, and He sent them out. Think about this. They go out to different villages. Maybe four of them would go to one village. Four more would go to this village, and four more would go to that. They covered much more area. There was so much to do, it's too much for one person. Just think of how many more people were reached and ministered to. Jesus traveled from town to town. Jesus went from place to place. He had one time he had told them, I said, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And he said, no, we must go not just here, but to another place also and minister and share with them. Well, this way, many more people could be reached. It's too much just for one. And you know what? Our time is short. The time that we have to be able to share the gospel is short. Jesus, you know how many years he was on earth is doing ministry? Three. Half of it's over with. There's so many people to be able to be reached, to be talked to, to be helped. Time's short. How many years do you have with your children? Your children at home, 18. Time is short. How many years, how, many, how long, if you're a school teacher, do you have that class? A year. Time is short. How long? Will you have that grandchild in your care? Time is short. You listen to the radio or you read the newspaper and you see somebody's dying. Something's taking place. Then you begin to realize, you know what? Our time that we have here upon earth to be able to minister is short. How long before Christ returns? How long before some of our freedoms are taken away? For you don't have the privilege or the right to be able to publicly talk about Christ. Time could be short. It is important for us to be able to take advantage of the time while we have it. And listen, needs are great. Needs are great. We're living in a day where people are more confused than ever before. The needs are great around us. The lostness is vast. So much confusion. People have gone away from the Bible, from the Word of God, and it is so important because the needs are great. Seems like everywhere you look around, there's sickness. Seems like more cancer and more trouble. Needs are great. The question is, are people prepared for eternity? The people know Christ. And so it's important that we're simply ready to be able to go and to share the gospel. Now, Jesus, he sent these fellows out. 
he did kind of give them some strategies. Now, one of the things that you see is Jesus gave them power and authority. Now, as today, let me tell you where your power comes from. The power that you have today is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. Jesus told the disciples, He said, you all need to wait into the upper room. He said, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come. In fact, in, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1-8, in Acts chapter 1-8, by the way, should be a verse that you should know. And you should, uh, you should mark it, and it should be one that you say, I, I might memorize it, or I, I just need to be able to write it down and look at it. It's something that I should impact me. But Jesus said, but you should receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you shall be my witnesses. Now, when you become a Christian, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not a Christian. The, Jesus talked about being born of the Spirit. So when a person becomes a Christian, they receive the Spirit. And the Spirit of God empowers you. And one of the, way that you know, one of the ways you know that the Holy Spirit is, indwells you is you have a desire to be His witness. He's the one who empowers you. He helps you to remember. He helps you to be able to think through. And then He aids. It's not just you sharing and that's it. The Holy Spirit's at work helping provide that conviction and that help. And so when Jesus gives them power, Today, that power He gives us is through the Holy Spirit. He's the whole key. So if you're going out to be able to make an impact, to be able to make a difference, unless you're going in the power of the Holy Spirit, guiding and leading you, you won't. But if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit there to be able to help you. Now notice when Jesus told them to go out, He said, well, now you're going out. He said, but don't take these things with you. Now later on in Luke 22, he tells them just the opposite. He said, now, when you go out, I want you to take these things with you. So he's not necessarily setting a strand, standard here, but I'll tell you what he is setting. He's setting a principle of this. I want you to trust me. Trust me. And so, you know, each one of us can be able to make an impact for Christ. Yet we got to trust him. Lord, I don't know how well this is going to be received. We've got to trust him. We've got to trust Him that we can make some difference, each one of us. And Jesus is just asking the disciples to be able to trust. Now, in Mark's gospel, Mark says that He sent them out two by two. And it is important that we're willing to go. And part of the reason Jesus sent them two by two, it's just so much easier. It protects you. It also helps you sometimes, you know, somebody, you, you talk to somebody, you may not be able to relate to them. Somebody else can. Sometimes somebody will ask a question, and by, between the two of you, you can be able to, to handle it. They went two by two. And so it's, it's a good strategy to be able to go on. And on top of that, it's a good way to learn. Part of the way that I learned to be able to talk with people is going with somebody that was older than me, that was wiser than me, and listening to them talk. It is a good way to be able to learn. Went on a mission trip, and we went door to door to share the gospel. And what we did was we went two by two. Actually, we had three because we had a translator. So there's three of us. So I would go, 
And I was used to sharing the gospel, and I would share, but the person with, with me had never shared before. So they would listen, go over things, and then the next time, they would get a chance. But the good thing it was that I was there in case somebody had a question or, you know, just, just for support, but they did fine, and they shared the gospel two by two, and the disciples went two by two to be able to make a difference. Then Jesus told them, notice that Jesus said, listen, if you go somewhere and they put you up because you're staying in this village more than a day, maybe you're staying the week. He said, just stay in the one place. Show people that you're content. If somebody comes around and says, hey, I got something better, stay in the one place. Listen, when you're sharing the gospel, and somebody's willing to be able to aid or to help you, that's a blessing. A blessing for you and a blessing for them. I really believe that Christians, their presence provides blessing for other people. You provide blessings for other people. I really believe that. And the Lord's telling you, I want you to bless those that are willing to be able to aid, and I just want you to be content and show people that you are content. And then, interesting thing, Jesus said, if people reject you, shake the dust off. What's that mean? The Jewish people, whenever they went outside of Judah, they felt like the Gentiles were cursed. And so they would shake the dust off. They said, you know, they're not worthy to be able to their dust to come into our homeland. We're going to shake the dust off our clothes. And the way that they live, they're exposing themselves to God's judgment. Well, here, what Jesus is basically saying is, this you do as a sign of judgment. I've been here. You know what I believe? I believe that on the day of judgment, that God is going to allow every person to see every time that the gospel was presented to you. It's going to allow you to see that. There's going to be people that's going to have all these excuses, and God's going to say, no. You heard the gospel here. This person can't. You rejected it. You wouldn't listen. And so Jesus just said, shake the dust off. Now, you may think that's cruel, but listen, that's being kind. Because what the, they, they understood, the Jews would understand what that means. Basically, what God is saying is, if the Holy Spirit is at work, He's going to remind them, this message is something you should have listened to. Here's something you should have heard. And so it's just a great reminder of what Christ had done. The disciples went out and they were successful. Later on, we're going to find out that the disciples, they really did make a difference. Jesus had done well in training them. And they come back and they're just super excited. They cast out demons. They healed people. They shared about Christ. It was just wonderful. They came back excited. Do you know, not only did they make a difference in those individuals' lives, but people were talking. And it got so far that Herod the Tetrarch, Herod himself had heard about what was taking place. Jesus was the talk of the whole area. Those disciples had done a good job.
Herod was so upset about this that you notice in verse, uh, verse 7, Herod had heard all about he had done. He was perplexed. Herod is the one that had John the Baptist killed. And people were saying, this is John the Baptist. That began to bother Herod. Because he even says here, I had John killed. Who could this be? I really believe that Herod's conscience was beginning to bother him. You know, I really believe that you have a conscience. And the Holy Spirit uses that to provide conviction. And He will convict us of things that we've done wrong. Herod, the reason he had John the Baptist killed is because John the Baptist had called out his sin. He was living in adultery. He got rid of his wife, took on somebody else's wife who happened to be his half-sister. John the Baptist called him out. And as a result, he was killed. Well, you know, I think that he was under conviction about that. That's why he's kind of bothered. It's a good thing to be under conviction. You know, if you're a Christian and you say, I'm a Christian, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Oh, yeah. If the Spirit of God lives within you, you better be sure that He's not happy because you grieve the Spirit. And it could be today that there's somebody here. Like, you know, I don't like coming to church because I'm under conviction. I don't like coming to church because my conscience bothers me. The thing that you need to do about that is to come up to the altar and get it settled. To be able to come clean with God and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry that I'm doing this. You know, there's some things that the preacher never says anything about. They don't bother you. But when the preacher says something about, it bothers you. Why is that? Maybe because you've never been forgiven. You've never come clean with God. And it could be that today you need to be able to come clean. Herod's conscience was bothering him. Did the disciples go talk to Herod? No. But word had just got around. Listen, the great thing about partnering with the Holy Spirit, He can take the gospel message. You may share with somebody... And you may have a bigger impact than you ever dreamed just because you was willing to be able to share and to make a difference. Herod began to ask this question, who is this? Later on, in this very chapter, Jesus is going to ask the disciples, who do people say that I am? And you see, see, some had already been saying, he's John the Baptist risen from the dead. He's Elijah. He's one of the other prophets. It's the greatest question that could ever be asked. Who is Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, the reason it's the greatest question is because He's the greatest person. He's met the greatest need that we have. Our sin. Death. Our greatest enemy. Death. He's the answer. And so it's a great question. Who is Jesus? It's the question that Harold asked. And then Herod had been searching for a chance to be able to meet with Jesus. Now here's the thing about Herod. You really didn't want to meet with him because he had a tendency, if things didn't go his way, he'd kill you. So he's not who you wanted to meet with. And God had just arranged it where he could not meet with Jesus. He finally did. Remember, Pilate sent him over to Herod. He finally met with Jesus. God has got us on mission. The disciples had great results. And if you and I are willing to be faithful, we can have great results. You know, this week was kind of an interesting week. You watch Monday Night Football. Well, it's kind of interesting. 
Monday Night Football this week turned out to be one of the, the games that had the highest ratings ever. And it really wasn't because of the game. The game ended up being canceled. One of the players had made a tackle, and then as he got up, he just collapsed. Apparently, he went into cardiac arrest and quit breathing there on the field, and so they had to do CPR. So the teams have began to pray. Many of them right there on the field, they just got in a group and they prayed. There was an analyst on ESPN, a former football player, that was a Christian that said, you know, I just, this may be wrong, but I just feel led to pray. And he just prayed right there on national television. And so it's just been the talk of football. In fact, this young man, he had a charity, a toy drive that was his charity. He had raised $100,000 for his charity. By the next day, there was over $5 million given to his charity. People had been talking about prayer, talking about God across the nation. It's just like God was just moving. You know, it reminded me of another story that I'd heard. This is back in 1979. His name was John Neskewik. He went to Biola University in California. He got up and was doing his morning exercises and just collapsed. They ended up rushing him to the hospital. And they said that uh, it was all stroke-like symptoms. He was partly paralyzed, and then soon he was in a coma. He had a blood vessel. It was in the left side of his brain that had, that had burst, caused bleeding. His father had flown out. John come a Christian, and he spent the summer trying to lead his parents to Christ. It was so frustrating because they would not listen. We were not interested. He had told several of his friends, I'd be willing to give my life if both of my parents could have salvation. So his father had flown out. And one of his friends began telling him what John had said. Well, his dad, it just, man, it got to him. In fact, one of the leaders of the college, university, led his dad to Christ that night. He just had to make a decision. The next day, they were having chapel at the university. And so they were going to say something about this student being there. And they had, they had mentioned his dad. They brought him up and he said, he's come in and just help him, pray for him. And then the father said, I just wanted to tell you. He said, my son had said that he'd give his life if I could know salvation. And I gave my life to Christ. And the whole, everybody in that room just stood up, just started clapping for five minutes, just a round of ovation. Well, it finally came time for them to decide you're going to, whether he's going to pull the plug or not. And right before he had to make that decision, that young man just died. Father flew back home to Michigan. The mother was just distraught. It's time for the funeral. Some of his friends had come, Christian friends, and they led his mother to Christ at the funeral. Sure enough, that young man had said, I'm willing to give my life if that's what it takes for my parents to get saved. And he had. And they had become Christians. The greatest decision anyone can make is a decision of Jesus Christ. And the greatest privilege that you and I have is to be His disciples. And Jesus finally says to His disciples, it's time. 
part of learning is going and being able to talk to people. And Jesus is telling us today, it's time to be able to tell others about Christ. It's time for us to talk and be concerned about our family. It's time to be concerned about our friends and those around us. It's time to be difference makers. You'll never be a difference maker unless the Holy Spirit is empowering you. You can't be empowered by the Spirit and be living outside the will of God, be willing, dwelling in sin. That's why it's important for us Christians to be saying, you know what, I'm getting my life right with God. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to empower me, to give me courage. One person will not change the county, but several people that are willing to be on fire for Christ will make a difference. Several people that are willing to be committed, saying, you know, I'm going to be that person, can make a difference. We're in a new year, new opportunities. It is important that we're willing to surrender and to be that person. Don't think that God's not working. We saw it this week. He's working in this nation. He worked on the football field. Yesterday, two different teams decided they were going to kneel and pray for this young man. Isn't it something? A few years ago, we was talking about football teams kneeling for the national anthem, not kneeling to pray. Now they're kneeling and praying. God's at work, and He's at work, and why He's working, it's important that we're willing to get involved and work too. The opportunity's great. It's up to us to be a part of it. Let's take a moment. Let's have prayer. Lord, thank you so much. I thank you for sending out your disciples, sending out so that they could take part in doing ministry. They could have the privilege of making an impact. They could be able to grow because they're willing to give and to serve. Lord, may you help each of us to be willing to give and to make a difference. Lord, may we become concerned about somebody else's soul that we're willing to make a sacrifice. We're willing to take a chance. Lord, may you allow each one of us, 2,000 to 23, to make a difference in ministry, to make a difference for you, to see somebody come to know Christ, to see somebody be baptized, to see somebody be helped, to see somebody's marriage be different, somebody just to be completely different. I just ask that you would just work. And Lord, may it begin in me. And I pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, you can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.